This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This segment is brought to you by Jigmasters. Step up your game with high-quality performance jigs, spinner baits, buzz baits, and more from Jigmasters.com. And always, when in doubt, get the jig out. This is the Chasing the Tide Saltwater segment on the Paladin Fin Network. I'm your host, Dustin Nichols. Come along for the saltwater shenanigans. All right. What is up, everybody? This is Dustin Nichols, your host with Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the Paddle and Fin Podcast Network. So tonight we have special guest. We got Wyatt Parcel. Uh, did I slay it or Parcel? <laughs> no, you got it, man. You got it. Wyatt Parcel. <laughs> What's going oh, on? Yeah. What's going on, man? We got my man here. He is with uh, Salt Strong. So uh, I'm stoked to have you on tonight. So I um, want you to introduce yourself to everybody and then uh, tell everybody a little bit how you you got started in the fishing and what led you into that little plastic boat there. Yeah, man. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, my name is Wyatt. I am a saltwater fishing coach for a company called Salt Strong. For those of you who may not be familiar with what Salt Strong is, basically we just teach people how to fish. We put a lot of free stuff up on YouTube, but we also have a private community uh, where we give a little bit more in-depth tips. We do on the water reports, spot dissections, things like that. Ton of really cool content. And uh, I'm one of the coaches that is in charge of covering this new region of Texas that we've moved into. Um, I just came from North Carolina uh, and, I, and I developed that region. It was a great fishery and we'll talk about that a little bit later on. But uh, what got me into the plastic boat, man, that, uh, that's, that's, a, that's a big question. So um, I, I got into fishing, you know, uh, like, like most folks uh, at, a, at a very young age. The only difference is I didn't have somebody really to teach me. Um, so I, I looked online for a lot of things and uh, a lot of the folks that were creating content back in the early 2000s when I was learning 
they weren't your guys that were in boats. They were the, the guys that had the GoPros on the kayaks. They were guys that were fishing on shore. So those were the people that I learned from. And uh, I definitely took a lot learning from them. And, and it really did inspire me to want to give back and teach, you know, when I did learn how to fish. I went through all the trial and error. I put my time in on the water and, and I learned all that hard stuff that comes with, you know, getting skunked. Um, but also having those good days as well. So uh, I'm very blessed to have this opportunity with Salt Strong, uh, where I get to give back essentially and, and be that teacher that I was looking for when I was a kid. So uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm so stoked to be here in, in Texas and uh, covering this new amazing fishery. It is. And then the thing about Texas, especially fishing out of a kayak, there's just so many options. It just opens up so much water. I mean, like I, I've said a million times on this podcast, when I first moved here, you know, in Georgia, where I'm originally from, you can't go wade fishing or you'd be up to your neck in mud. Yeah. <laughs> so you came over here and you're like, man, what are these guys doing walking around all out there? I was like, man, you can just walk in and fish areas. And so I would, you know, hit, throw some topwaters over some flats on the way to surf in the mornings when I drive down to Corpus to surf. You know, it, it just was like, man, it just opened up a whole nother door when that kayak got into it. You know, it's just so much more area you can cover. And it's just and it's so so much shallow areas that just have the flats that are just vast in a lot of these places. And it just helps to have a access to it. So it's cool. You know, it's definitely different. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, big time. That was that was probably the biggest shock for me, especially when I first came into Corpus. I was looking at I was looking at places to live and uh, I came over the big bridge that, that is over Corpus Christi uh, Bay. And it's like. I could see the bottom and I was, I had not been used to that over in the coastal Carolinas. You know, the only time you can ever see the shoreline is the first foot off of it. So to yeah. see all these shallow areas just blew my mind and see all the people waiting. Like you said, it's just a, yeah. it's, it's a different type of fishery. It's really, really cool. Yeah. So you, you mentioned, yeah, you, you're a, a fishing coach with salt strong. So just um, tell everybody a little bit more about in depth, get in depth on salt strong. What, what all does that entail? Is there like a, a subscription program or is it you know they can get on youtube and look check out some stuff also but you know give them a good a broad answer to the to all of that you know what y'all cover yeah absolutely so uh so basically on the public side of things we, we do put out a lot of free tips just so that we can get eyeballs uh for folks to see us and kind of get involved with our content obviously we want to help the folks that may not be able to afford the membership at the time as well we're all about helping people learn so every single one of the tips we put out has a lot of value in it whether it's on the free side of things on youtube or in the private community that yes people do pay a, a subscription for you do have the option to pay for it monthly uh, if you just kind of want to try it out, see what it's about, uh, or you can save a bunch of money, go annual, uh, and you get access to a little bit more stuff. Um, basically, what we have in the community is uh, all these anglers. It's, it's like a Facebook group on steroids and you know, without all the negativity because we've removed all the people and we do it every single day. We just monitor you know, what's being posted. We make sure yes. that everyone that's in there is being positive and helping. It's, it's, a, it's a really interesting community of folks. Uh, one that I would really compare to my network of guides that I talk to, where we're just constantly discussing tactics, we're sharing what's working on the water, um, and we're all just kind of posting stuff in there and we're sharing info. It's really cool to have such close connections with guys that are down in Florida. And I know exactly what's happening in their fishery because I talk with them every day online. Um, you know, yeah. I, don't, I don't get on Facebook, I don't get on any of that stuff. I just get in the community and I talk to I talk to all of my fishermen that are in there. And it's such a really, really cool, cool community in there. You're going to say that is cool to have that that access to that. Also, just like I was, you know, I get 
you know, we, we text a lot, all of us guys that, that are kind of close, you know, and, um, you know, we're, we're actually through chasing the tide. We're running a, uh, we were running a month long trout tournament. Um, you know, the winter trout show kayak showdown, um, through chasing the tide and, you know, with our weather in Texas, I was like, you know what, I'm going to extend it seven days. We're just going to add an extra seven days. And then, oh, my boy, Brian Nelly called me today and said, man, he said, I don't know if it's ever happened, but you know, I just put three over 30 on the board today. Oh man. <laughs> in Florida, in South, South Florida. So, that is yeah. insane. Yeah. Where are you down fishing at? He's fishing the South Florida area, uh, somewhere up towards, um, you know, Melbourne around that area, maybe oh, yeah. somewhere around that way. Uh, so yeah, he, he does uh pushing waters kayak guide service out of a uh, uh, kind of West Palm area down that way. Um, he does some yeah. good offshore stuff too. Yeah. He's a good dude, but yeah, I got that text. I was just like, man, about to ruffle some feathers on that leaderboard. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. No, yeah, that's a, that's a that's a great area to fish. And and to kind of expand on that, I know it's a great area to fish because we've got coaches that are down there that are fishing those zones. That's that's the other cool thing is it, we have this wide concept of a system when it comes to fishing, and we kind of go through um, when you join the community. We, we kind of go through an introductory process and we kind of give you some training to start out. And what that is, is an introductory course that's called the Finding Spots Mastery Course. And it basically gives an overview of how to read satellite maps, how to read tide charts, how to read all of the fundamentals and properly pre-plan a trip. There's not one, there, there's nothing in the Finding Spots Mastery Course that is on the water. It is all pre-planned. And that's actually, if you'll notice, and you know, you know this, folks that, that, that may be listening that might just, you know, be getting into fishing might not know the success is usually determined by your pre-trip plan. All the time that you put in before you even get on the water, looking and knowing and planning uh, what the conditions are going to be, what spots you're going to hit up based on all the different variables that's really where you find your success. So that's something that we try to put every member through so they get the right mindset of understanding the conditions and how it affects the spots you need to be fishing uh, rather than, you know, just a GPS number of a spot. Right. So, so the fish are probably not going to be there the next day anyways. And then it's always cool to be able to have that on the, that quick on the, on the, you know, on the point to, to jump to something else that might not be working, you know, that you planned because things might not go as planned. Like, like always the, you know, the, the weathermen are wrong sometimes and that, <laughs> you know, the wind might be, you know, might switch on you. Little popcorn thunderstorms pop up here and there in Texas too during the summer oh, yeah. and stuff. So yeah, it's just you know, but like you said, pre planning is a big part of everything, though for sure, definitely. Oh, yeah. So the, after that, it's you know, a lot of it's keeping up with what's happening. So that's we that's when we do the on the water reports, the spot dissections based on you know what current trends might be. So I'll dissect an area in the Carolinas. Um, you know, it, it may be a spot I've been to, maybe a spot I haven't been to just talk about a lesson essentially, and just make a lesson, not, you know, here's a good spot to fish. It's understanding how fish might be affected on a windy day, on a cold day, after a front, different factors and variables that just kind of give lessons on several different variables that may happen for a trip and what a plan might look like for those variables. So it's just constant, you know, practice and training. Uh, that we're putting up that that really kind of reinforces all of the the system basically that we put together at Salt Strong. Um, and then obviously, and the the platform is it a is it just through a website or is it an app? It's yes. 
Yeah, so it's a website. We used to have an app that just, you know, it got kind of buggy. So we, we just converted it all to the website. And you can always just save it on your phone. Like it looks like an app and it just pulls it right up. Oh, but, cool. uh, but it functions a lot like an app. So uh, it's it's really, really clean, smooth, mobile. Um, and uh, it's really, really nice and easy to use, especially for someone that might be just, you know, starting to get into fishing is looking to learn quick. Cool deal. Sounds like y'all got a good thing going on, man. That's, that's really cool. And then you had an opportunity to move move to Texas and, and experience some of uh, the fishery over here. You you just made your way here from North Carolina and you spent some time in the, you know, Wilmington, Carolina beach area, Wrightsville beach and all that. Uh, some of my old stomping grounds from when, uh, when I used to surf and used to play in a band, we used to play at the zoo. <laughs> There's a bar there and, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, we've had some good times up that way. So tell everybody um, if you can, you know, transitioning from uh, the, that, that fishery in the Atlantic, you know, how was your time on the water there compared to uh, to what you're starting to see here? You know, to tell everybody a little bit about that fishery over there and how it compares for me. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, North Carolina was kind of my first region to develop. So I did have a lot of learning to do there with the big tide swings, the dirty water, the winding creeks. It's uh, there's a lot to take in and, and I'll, I'll just kind of preference um, it, it's a little bit more of a difficult fishery to learn as a beginner. I believe uh, marshes like that, just because we talk about pre-planning of variables, it feels like there's a lot more variables that can, can really cause some disparences between fishing trips. So th there's a lot more that you have to learn and plan for, uh, and, and it can sometimes be really overwhelming. So in, in the Atlantic, I you know really just tried to understand inshore fishing from the, the pre-planning side of things, understanding tides, uh, just again, because you get five foot tide swings over there. It's something that factors really heavily in over there. Um, here, I, I find the tides, it is very important, not as much as it was over right. in the Atlantic. It seems like it, that's a much, much bigger factor over there. And, and the wind, just because of the marsh grass and everything there, never really seemed like it was a huge factor. Obviously it came much further behind on the tide. Um, and even, you know, sometimes further behind on the weather, you know, whether it was a warming trend or a cooling trend here, it seems like the wind is a much, much larger factor than over in the Atlantic. So again, it's shallower here. It seems like the wind is what's manipulating currents, manipulating bait, just because in these shallow areas, uh, that's just kind of how the, the topography of the flats influence fish behavior. Yes. So um, th those are the biggest differences I've seen is, is just understanding what variables are more important to kind of pay attention to. Um, but in, in terms of, you know, the fishing itself, transitioning from the Carolinas over to here in Texas, uh, there, there has been a lot that I've changed in terms of my retrieves, my tackle, uh, just because I'm fishing different types of zones. Yes. Uh, like we said, in the, in the winding marshes, things like that, uh, you've got mud bottoms. You, I was primarily using jig heads, really heavy jig heads, actually yes. one fourth ounce, you know, with the, the paddle tails, shrimp, things like that, um, bouncing along the bottom. And I was picking up a lot of flounder and, and reds. And if I did want to go after trout, you know, you're cranking those mirror lures around those points, things like that. And here it seems like there's just open space. There's no kind of sharp corners that you're working. There's no really hard depth changes that are at the mouth of a creek. There's no, there's really no creeks here, uh, at least in the area that I'm fishing. I'm not got yeah. a chance to travel a little bit further north where, where there is a little bit more of that type yeah. of stuff. But uh, 
here it's just it, it's really a lot of open grass flats and kind of subtle depth changes that I'm seeing other than the intercoastal channels, obviously. But that's altered the way that I fished a lot, too. Um, the speed that I'm fishing, the tackle, you know, I, I don't think I used many weedless hooks. Maybe some of the, those uh, <laughs> I strike Texas eyes when I was up in um, up in North Carolina because they get down to the bottom really quick. But I've started using a lot more owner twist locks. Um, yep. These are fantastic. And uh, I like the way that they hang in the column a little bit more as opposed to those uh, those Texas eyes. When I am trying to get to the bottom and I, I still need to be weedless, I will put on those Texas eyes. But when mm -hmm. I'm just going right over the, the grass, I like yeah. the horse locks, just the way that they hang or potholes, things like that. I know we're going to talk about some some big trout tips later. And that, that's that's a big, big key is, you know, oh, how yeah, long definitely. is a, a bait hanging over that kind yeah. of stuff. So. Uh, I guess I've rambled on with this question, but there is a lot that is different, but there's also a lot that, that translates over. I would say that I've had, you know, when I did figure out the fishery in the Carolinas, I was very successful over there coming over here. You know, it, it was an easy transition because we talk about pre-planning regardless of where you live, you're picking the same concept type of spots. They may look different on a satellite map. Um, but the, the concepts of understanding where feeding zones will be in relation yeah. to certain variables, where bait's going to be pushed through, where fish are going to be in relation to certain weather patterns. Those concepts all hold true regardless where you live. So it was a, it was a pretty right, right. seamless transition in that respect, knowing where the fish kind of would be and, and where their feeding zones would be in relation to those variables. Especially, Especially trout. trout. Oh, yeah. You know, the um, opportunistic feeders are going to be set up ambush points um you know they're going to use that wind driven current to their advantage where they set up to have that base push push to them also um you know they can't get a little finicky sometimes and be you know stubborn but uh most of the time they're usually pretty voracious when they hit hit your stuff <laughs> oh, yeah. oh yeah working through them choke points and stuff so yeah it's pretty cool cool deal man so you know um we just dealt with that big uh freeze here um you know i wanted to kind of touch on that uh you know, you're you're down around um, uh, the Laguna Madre area. You're living in uh, what part? Of, are you in Corpus exactly, or are you in? I'm on the outskirts. I'm in Aransas Pass. Aransas Pass. Okay, yeah, yeah. So they they saw some stuff there. Um, you know, what what are, what are you seeing? Have you been on the water since the since I've, the freeze? Yeah. So I went out once, and it, I, I went out on Sunday. Uh, I wanted to give the fish some time to kind of recover, recuperate, get some meals in before I, you know hooked into them, put them through a fight. So, you know, that was the first kind of day I felt like it would be good. We had a slight warming trend before another front came through, which we're experiencing now. Yeah. Um, yeah. We're, we're getting rained on real bad, but, uh, but yeah. So what I saw and I did get a chance to go down to South Padre um, and, and see some things as well during the freeze, just cause we lost power and water here. And I, I had a guide buddy down there. Captain Nathan Folks uh, with South Texas okay. Fishing Adventures stayed with him. And uh, from what I saw down there, it seems like the, the shallower areas um, in, in his area were really, really heavily affected just because they're, you know, the one area that I think fish were able to duck off into in that, in that Port Isabel Brownsville area was the shipping yeah. channel. Ship channel. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, all the muck and everything that got kicked yeah. up by barges and all, all yeah. kinds of stuff like that there weren't a whole lot of fish that, that got out. I know, I know you guys covered this in a, in a previous podcast that I was listening to and little bit. Yes. 
It, uh, yeah, it's definitely had more float up the last week as it warmed up and they started decomposing, you know, because a lot of those fish were, were, you know, their their swim bladders were, were, you know, released and everything was shriveled up and they were down on the bottom, hunkered down, you know. So, um, you know, when those ones that, that kicked a bucket, you know, it's unfortunate, uh, you know, they're all just starting to, to float up now. And, and, you know, the past, you know, few days, they've, they've seen a lot more stuff, you know, especially East Matic water got hit pretty hard. You know, that's that that's a great fishery and it had been like turned on the past two three years and then that, that you know as low as the tides got when you know we get that strong northwest wind with those fronts associated and it just blows the water out you know and uh you know those that bay must you know probably wasn't deeper than four and a half foot in most of the areas and that that whole water column got you know affected with the the cold water temps we had so you know it, it's it's sad to see all those pictures, especially like from down from the land cut areas, um, Port Mansfield and all that with all the barge traffic that kicked up all those fish that were trying to find safe refuge in the in the ICW. You know, it's pretty, pretty disheartening. Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, it's, it's, it's super unfortunate. And we didn't do any fishing while I was down there. We just pretty much saved turtles and surveyed. Yeah, yeah. I, I haven't done any fishing in Corpus Christi or the upper Laguna Madre yet. I did that trip that I took this past weekend on Sunday. That was up in Rockport where it seemed like things weren't as bad as the area that I live in in Aransas Pass, some of the, the upper Laguna Madre. Um, there was a little bit more wind protection in the areas that I was fishing. Uh, and there were, there were were they were in close proximity to some deep zones. And that's kind of been a trend that we've been seeing is they are still there. They're still moving out of those deep zones, um, but they definitely are favoring the wind protected shorelines. Yes. Um, which, you know, it, it makes it pretty easy to locate them. I'm finding a lot of numbers. Um, you know, I, I caught a slam. I got the flounder, got a couple flounder, got a couple reds uh, and, a, and a ton of trout. But I only got one over 20. And it was it, it was really kind of sad. And all a lot of them had dolphin bites on them. You know, they've been absolutely beat up. Those trout, it seems like they're, they're not in the best to shape the reds. And this is, you know, everything. I'm saying also this was down in South Padre as well. Did not see a whole lot of reds that were affected by this thing. Same thing right. with the, the black drum. And it, it could be, you know, I, I still haven't gotten out too much since it's warmed up. Uh, initially, we saw less than probably 10 reds um, when we were out. And we walked the shorelines for three days grabbing turtles. Uh, but there's, you know, there were thousands and thousands of trout. It was, uh, it, it was really bad. But it seems like the reds and the, the black drum held out pretty well. There was a lot of sheep's head. I did see that we're dead. Um, one other big thing is uh, I'm I'm having a lot less action on my bait fish presentations, and that might have just been you know the one I I don't have a big test subject uh, here. Basically, I've only been out once since then, but a lot a lot of my fish came off of shrimp imitations, just because there's not a whole lot of mullet present. I'm not seeing a lot of fin fish jumping like I was before the freeze because I've seen a lot of them dead on the shorelines. So I'm very interested to see how the freeze is going to affect the feeding patterns of fish yes. as well. Um, and I was talking to Captain Caleb McCumber up further north in that area. We were talking about Matacora. Yes. Um, he had a great, you know, he was talking about the, the freeze affects the fish today uh, in terms of the temperatures, but it, the bait is what's going to affect our fish tomorrow. Right. Um, just because those are the big high calorie meals that these fish kind of, look forward to for the summer when it gets warm they, they, they've got really high metabolisms um shrimp are plentiful and i don't know how badly the shrimp were affected during this freeze i, I think probably not as bad as bait fish again i could be wrong 
but they don't provide the same amount of calories that a big croaker, a big mullet does for those yes. larger fish. So that's kind of my summary of the freeze. I'm, I'm, there's still so much to be seen with it, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I definitely don't think we're out of the woods yet. And uh, it's good to see there are a lot of fish that are active and there's definitely still numbers out there. Um, and I know that they're recovering. And with the effort of anglers being conservation minded, um, you know, I, I'm not telling everybody to release everything. Uh, it's your legal right to do what you need to do. Um, but I, I personally am going to be releasing everything for the rest of the year. Uh, I think in a, if enough people can participate in, in conservation minded angling, I think we can bounce back from this even stronger than the, uh, the fishery was beforehand. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that also, as far as the, uh, you know, initiative, they, they kicked off pretty quick. I know, uh, David Flad from, from at least over 20, um, teamed up with uh, speckled truth there and they got to kind of got the release Texas 2021 initiative going. So, you know, anything that can help our fishery, I'm, I'm all on board for as I've been a supporter of the release over 20 since, you know, last year, once I found about it, it kind of started out over there on the East coast after one of their freezes. And, you know, David kind of took an initiative himself to, to kind of, you know, uh, release everything um, a little bit bigger, you know, make, make his own, you know, rules that he went by and then everybody kind of started following along, you know, and everybody's like, yeah, man, I'm going to, I'm going to release mine over 22. And it kind of just, came along and made this whole big initiative, you know, it's pretty dang cool. So yeah, oh, yeah. I'm all for that, man. Uh, yeah. I love release over 20. I've got stickers all over my place. <laughs> Dave, Dave probably is mad. I've submitted enough fish to, and I keep asking for decals, but I love putting them everywhere. So people, can Oh see yeah. Get I see people, yeah. I think yeah, people need to get trying to do, try to get more people involved because you know, it's like, man, Virginia like had way more fish than, than we had submitted last year. And I know I submitted a pretty good bit. And it's just like, man, we got to step it up, Texas. Come on. But everybody, <laughs> you know, they release to grease, you know. Hey, them 17-inch fish eat good, too. You know, you don't got to always stack up them ones, them bigger fish. So, you know, it's just like, ah, uh, it drives me crazy sometimes. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a big mindset. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a little bit different. And we talk about differences from Atlantic fisheries over to, to Texas. Um, we do have, uh, and this is a, I'm sure you've talked about this with our, our mutual friend, Judson Brock there, we're fighting gillnets over in North Carolina. There's a lot of commercial fishing and, you know, I, I've seen the effects of overfishing, up there, uh, the trout population. And that's, that's another big difference is this is such a healthy fishery to come here and experience what is here in Texas, the numbers of fish, the quality of fish. It's, you can totally see a difference when an, a fishery is managed well and it's not overfished and abused. Yes. Um, most anglers, you know, recreational anglers in the Carolinas, I don't know, you know, other than a few, most folks do release their fish because we're trying to get, we're trying to build that stock back up, um, you know, as we continue to fight legislation against the nets that are really absolutely destroying the stocks. Um, I, I mean, I mean, here it seems like you guys have managed the fishery so well uh, that that you know it, it seems like everywhere I go there's trout, which is not the case yeah. in the Carolinas. It seems like there's a lot more redfish in the Carolinas than there are trout. Um, it's just a, a difference in species numbers, I would say. But uh, it, it's an amazing fishery over here that I you know I am worried about, but I do believe as anglers will be able to take care of it. Through. Be able to pull through, yes, yeah, sure. Uh, you know, just like you said. Uh, you know, just being more conservation minded, um, you know, there's no sense to stock the freezer 
you know, take them home, eat them that evening. You're going to take a few home, feed the family. That's great. You have every right to do so. But, you know, I'm not trying to push it down your throat, but, you know, I'm going to do what, what I do. You can do what you do. You know, mm-hmm. Everybody has their own opinion, but my opinion on this is that you definitely need to uh, step up and let some more go this year for yeah. sure. I agree. Especially in those hard hit areas, you know. Some areas fared a little better. Seemed like the north, north, northern part, you know, Galveston, some stuff up there fared a little better. Mm-hmm. Um, Sabine and all that. So, you know, just uh, hope that everybody don't rush up there and put all that pressure on y'all's waters. <laughs> right? <laughs> right? You got to think about that, too. The places that didn't get impacted as much, um, you know, get more pressure. And then that's going to affect it in turn that way, too. You know? I mean, yeah, I, that's exactly what I did. I went to an area that I heard wasn't hit too terribly by the freeze. I went up to Rockport. So that was my first move after this. So I, that is going to be another big effect that we probably see a lot of anglers fish in new areas as well. So uh, I guess be ready for that, folks, that fared well yeah. during the freeze. Could be. Could be. Well, seeing that you did go fishing, what uh, we're going to throw out, I usually throw out a, something called pick three. It's where you pick your uh, your three favorite combos or what you're going to have on that kayak, what you're going to have tied on your three favorite rods uh, when yeah. you go out. <laughs> yeah. yeah this, is, this is a tough question for me. I, I know we talked about this. Um, I So in, in terms of what rods and reels I'm using, very, very easy to answer that question. So I, I'm a very big fan of medium fast action rods. I like my sevens, you know, seven, four, seven, six. I, I normally don't venture outside of that range. I do have some rods that are seven foot. I've got, uh, you know, my St. Croix Mojo Yak that I like for, for, really precision casting. Uh, if I'm sight fishing, it's just a great maneuverability rod. I, I typically will have uh, my, my St. Croix Mojo Yak um, medium fast at seven foot, and I'll have a really light soft plastic on there. Typically what that's going to be is a small paddle tail. I find that I can use that for sight fishing scenarios, and it's also going to be um, on my larger rods as well uh, as an alternate um, on, on maybe a larger profile paddle tail. Uh, but it's, it's just such a versatile lure. And I would say that's my number one lure that I'm going to be using, uh, is, is a paddle tail just because it, you can fish it a ton of different ways. You can, you know, slow roll it. You can fish it over the potholes with pausing, pausing goes. You can double twitch, pause it like it's a shrimp. I, I've caught fish on paddle tails literally all every single season with a pretty consistent, rate. I, I, I wouldn't say that it slows down um, throughout the year. Uh, I do adjust the size based on the season in the colder months. And that's another thing I'm starting to see here in Texas. Is it seems like there's different forage as well. And the bait fish don't get as small in the wintertime as they do over on the East Coast. There's a lot of small bait fish um, and small presentations that we're going to use in the winter. That's, you know, the Ned Rigs, Gulp Shrimps, thing, things like that are really big there um, in the wintertime. So I tend to use smaller presentations in the winter. Here, I'm actually sticking with what I thought would be, you know, my, my kind of late spring lures, um, in terms of paddle tail sizing. Um, but sorry to go back to your question. Oh, <laughs> no, you're good. Three. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go on tangents here. My bad. Uh, in terms of my reels, uh, I'm a huge fan of Daiwa products. Now we're not sponsored by anybody at salt strong or anything like that. So know that when I, when I talk to you guys about all these products, I'm about to, this is stuff that I like using cause I like using it. Try the truth. Try the truth. Absolutely. And uh, those Daiwa's, the mag seal, just because I'm in the kayak, does a great job of not letting that reel get torn up. I've used a lot of different reels. I get wet 
all the time, fish splashing, there's slime everywhere. Those reels have consistently held up very, very well. And the two models that I really like uh, are the Ballistic and the Fuego. And I like the 2,500 to 3,000 size class. Um, it's just whatever I can get on sale. I don't have too big of a preference there. Obviously, with my lighter setups, I'm going to put the lighter reels on there. Um, you know, my Mojo Yak is going to have the 2,500. My, my larger rod is going to have, you know, 3,000 class reels. And the the difference between those two is just the Fuego is one of those ones. It's it's just like 99 bucks. I can put it on anything, and I know it'll be good to rock and roll. Ballistic's a little bit more of a Cadillac. I like that from anything that I know I'm going to be moving fast lures with. So my top waters, which is my second go-to lure, um, you know, I'll, t- I'll touch on that in a second. But that six-to-one retrieve with that Ballistic, I, I, l- I just like the way that it moves baits through the water that I'm trying to give a little bit quicker presentations with. Um, plus it's got that tournament. It's just, it's a fantastic reel, but it is a lot pricier than the Fuego. So, um, those are the, those are the reels that I have on my rods. Um, and then the other two rods that I'll have, I, uh, typically am just going to go with, you know, a very sensitive blank, um, for my kind of the medium presentation. So if I'm going to be using a larger swim bait than that, that really light tackle setup I talked about earlier, um, I'm going to be using maybe one of those larger paddle tails or I'm using a five inch jerk shad. Um, you know, I'm going to have a little bit larger of a rod. I like the St. Croix tournament legend. Uh, I played with that one a lot. Fantastic rod. Um, very sensitive, just also very stout. Even when you hook into larger fish, it's done, it's done a lot of great things for me. Unfortunately, it's got a broken guide right now. Uh, those, those St. Croix is the one thing I, I will say about them is they don't have the durability of some other brands out there, but they're extremely sensitive. And for me, you know, I, I'm willing to sacrifice having to maybe get some stuff repaired, replaced uh, yeah. to have that level of sensitivity. Um, but no, it's going to come at a price much more than some other rods. And I do have a, another custom rod. It's a custom Lamy glass um, that, that I had purchased that I just fell in love with. Unfortunately, I don't know the specs to, to tell anybody listening to it, uh, but that's the other rod that I have. And that's what I'm going to have my, my, uh, my seasonal bait on. Um, again, uh, that that's going to change throughout the, the year. Um, typically in the colder months, I do transition to the smaller baits or the, the shrimp presentations like I'm doing right now. Um, and, and that's what I'm going to have rigged up on that third rod. It's just kind of my wild card. So uh, to, to, Kind of recap on everything. Top water, which I absolutely love to throw out. I'm not doing a ton of it this uh, this time of year, um, but as I talked to you, apparently I should be. Uh, just with some of those larger larger bait fish that appear to be here in Texas, um, I, I just love top water. It's it's such a consistent producer for me. It's such a fun way to fish. Um, and then yeah, I'll so have, you got that visual of oh, like, yeah. it's just blowing up on it too. It's just kind of hard to beat that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So that the paddle tail and the seasonal bait and uh, that, that covers my tackle. Sorry, I can go down a hole with, uh, oh, with another my tackle, man. I, I <laughs> so bad. I, I hope your viewers forgive me for that. Oh, yes. Yeah, all good, man. Uh, yeah. Like you said, you know, this time of year, you know, there are times when, you know, you do have that afternoon warming trend. Um, those those fish, especially the bigger trout might might want to cruise on up there and try to See what's cruising as the bait fish warm up. Also, they move up to warm up. Also, and those those some of those more aggressive bigger fish will move up and get after them too. You know, and I, I've I've had you know a good good share of, of luck doing that, moving a, 
in the evenings and stuff after a good warm warming trend and move up and throw in top water and you know knee deep water and caught some pretty solid fish doing that this time of year um it just all depends on you know what they want you know sometimes they don't want it they don't want to touch it mm -hmm. so it's just hit or miss but it's always good to have one on there you know tied on and ready uh you know so that's the thing about the kayak you know a lot of times you got to pick and choose what you're going to have because we have limited space you know we're not like a boat so you know they do make some nice crates to have all your rods staged behind you. And then most of the times I'm going to have four or five with me. Same thing, you know, plastic, good paddle tail, you know, a good suspended twitch bait, like a corky or, or soft iron XL, um, top water. And it uh, depends on if I'm fishing some kind of structure or something. I could have a chatter bait for fishing along grass lines. It all depends on what I'm doing. And then, uh, um, you know, if I got some little drains or something like that in some of the back bar systems, I'll have a popping cork with a with a shrimp imitation tied on to myself. So this time of the year, not as much, you know, as we move to more towards the spring, um, we'll start seeing some of them, them shrimp come back in and everything. So, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll move to that, that more of a shrimp laden diet, you know, right now it's all bait fish. And then uh, some of the longer presentation soft tails, like the little jerk baits and stuff for, and stuff to kind of mimic a sand deal. Cause we have a lot of sand deals also. And, you know, I didn't know that. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. I've, I've, I've caught them on, you know, Texas rig plastic worms around reef with where the sand worms are present. That's I, 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 probably, I probably shouldn't say that. Ah, I, <laughs> I, I haven't. I've never done that. <laughs> yeah, I've been trying out a lot of Texas tackle recently. I picked up a bait caster, which I, I'm apparently I'm gonna I'm supposed to get made fun of because I use spinning gear here. I, I don't know anybody outside of Texas really, other than I think one fishing TV host uh, that I know of. Um, I don't know many folks that use bait casters outside of Texas, but I moved down here and I go into the tackle shop and I'm talking about maybe getting a spinning reel and the guys at the counter are laughing at me. So, uh, they, they're, they're, they use them a lot more down South, South Padre, Port Isabel and all there, um, all the spots. I, I do have a couple that I use, but I do, but my, a lot of my rods that those soft plastics on are like a, it's like a six, nine medium light, extra fast with a, and I throw like 15 pound braid with 15 pound fluoro. And I can throw 16th ounce jig heads on that all day. Mm -hmm. And that rod and reel is only like eight ounces. It's a loose custom loose light with a Waterloo um, HP light, 6.9. And it just all day long, no fatigue. And, you know, that's and it does make a big difference. The same thing with topwaters. I don't want to have a, a big, you know, cork handle. I'd rather have something I can just work all day and you don't get no wrist fatigue from it, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm all about the, you know, the medium, medium light rods. And, uh, you know, I'll. I'll I'll put big redfish to hand on them things. You know, it's just, I like the extra fight, that extra run. And, you know, it, it's good times, you know, and then things, right. you don't deal with that fatigue. I could say that over and over, but yeah, <laughs> good stuff, man. Um, so what you see in, um, over here, I saw you caught, uh, you had a pretty good one recently, right before the freeze, you had one, what, about 26 and three quarter, I believe, or somewhere around there. Yeah, yeah, I got a got a pretty solid one. Um, that was that was pre pre front coming up to this freeze, and it was uh, we, we had just come off of a smaller front, and that's that's another big thing that I've just been learning here is the fronts with this shallow water it affects exactly where these fish are going to. I mean, to the point where it's honestly the fronts make it easier to find fish yes, uh, when when they're changing around, just because you can really know what what pattern of behavior they're about to go into. Uh, and it really gives you a little bit more of a condensed game plan. 
which I like. I, I don't like there being a lot of left to, to question. It's like, what should these fish be doing? You can apply that just based on uh, just based on weather patterns. Um, but yeah, so I, I picked that fish off in between fronts coming off of a cold front, about to get into another one. So it's just really good time for it to be feeding. Uh, we were we were close to a, a major lunar event, which is I can't remember if it was a new moon or a full moon, but one of those two. Yes. So uh, it was very likely uh, that, that that a fish of that size would have been feeding. It was just a good opportune time for it. Um, and, and really all it was is, you know, I was talking earlier about these owner twist locks and this is something I've been seeing a lot of success with. And I actually thought about doing this because I started using the corkies because I saw the corkies working a lot. I started throwing them with my, my bait casters and everything. And it's like, man, this just makes sense. So what, what I was doing is I was throwing four inch paddle tail. We, we, we've got a paddle tail here at Salt Strong that we, we came up with a color for it's called the slam shady. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's just great. And I mean, I used it in North Carolina in dirty, dirty, murky water and the natural color of that white flash is just, yeah. it's good in clear water, dirty water. I'm not going to get into a whole sales pitch of it, but it, it's, it's just one of those baits that I trust. Um, and with these owner twist locks, if you mess with that weight, you can actually move it up and down the hook. And what I basically did uh, when I was fishing that day, knowing that we were still coming off of a cold front, but those fish were wanting to feed. I was in kind of a transition zone coming out of a depth change. Uh, and this is what I, when I'm going after big fish, it's, this is, this is the game plan here. I'm fishing in between fronts, knowing when fish are going to want to start stacking up on food just because they haven't been eating during the front. Large fish like that typically are going to feed super heavily, at least in my, my observations, right before front hits. And you have to wait a couple of days after to, to really get on a good bite because they're not going to immediately come out of it. They don't got a ton of energy, but it, it was it was the right day, right conditions, first conditions to line up for them to start feeding again after this front. And again, right before the front as well, that was about to come through with the freeze and basically was just trying to hang these these paddle tails over big potholes and transition zones, going from really deep channels up to prime hunting flats with tons of potholes, tons of bait and everything, uh, just really good shallow structure. And the, the key was moving this weight a little bit further back on the hook. So when the paddle tail was going over that pothole, it, it just hung in the column and it dropped a lot slower. Yes, I, I've been finding that the sink rate on my lures 100% has a huge effect on how many strikes I'm going to get and, and the quality of fish that are going to hit it too. It's like how, what level of energy is that large trout willing to expend? And the larger, the longer you can hang a bait in front of its face, the better. And you talk the more about tempting, the more tempting it's going to be. Yes. Yeah. You talk about the soft dine XLs and, and, uh, and again, the corkies are a great example of this for, for me, those are great baits when you know where the fish are uh, for me with my job, I'm always fishing areas uh, I mean, for those of you who are insiders that, that do see my on the water reports, you know, I'm not fishing the same spots um, every single time I go out. I, I go and I, I try a new zone almost every single week. So I like the paddle tails because I can cover a lot of ground really quickly. I'm not saying that they're they're the best bait in the world and there's others that will perform them in specific scenarios. Um, you know, obviously, if you put a twitch bait uh, next to a paddle tail where you know where the fish are, the twitch bait is probably going to catch more fish. Problem is. I don't necessarily know where the fish are all the time. So I'm it's a better search bait for sure. You're going to cover more water with that soft plastic. And, and, and then once you kind of locate the fish, you can kind of change it up 
and kind of see what works for you once you find them. And that's the cool thing about having a search bait and finding the fish. And then you can play around with different presentations and build your confidence because you found the fish now. And then now you can go after, oh, man, I'm going to throw this corky and try to get more comfortable throwing this corky. Because there's a lot of people out there that, I, you know, they're just like, man, I just can't figure it out. And there's really no wrong way to work it. I mean, you can reel it on slack line and just kind of bounce along. Or you can fast twitch it in the upper water column. Or I fish it in deep, around deep reef and count it down. I know what the sink rate is. I count it down and twitch, twitch and just let it sink and twitch. Boink. I mean, you get us, you know, when you get hit on those, man, that's why they, they don't call it the corky, corky thump for nothing. You know, it's always, it's pretty dang heart racing when that doink and it just about oh, yeah. out your hand, not slacking your line. It's all good. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm falling in love with it. I use a lot of mirror lures in the Carolinas, the, the hard plastics. And I know that that's kind of the, the regional bait around here is that corky. Uh, and man, like once I found them with the paddle tails, I've been whipping my bait caster out, throwing that corky. Oh, it is. It is so fun. And it's so effective too. It's crazy how once you figure out what that sink rate is, where that bait needs to be sitting, it's like, it's basically just working it like a top. I mean, yeah, walking it, walking a dog underwater in that column you find it in. Yep. This is yeah. I got to give credit to Caleb McCumber. He, he had a great tutorial on that. Cause I was looking at that bait and I was like, how do I work this thing? And I, I just looked it up on YouTube. And, and like I said earlier, I mean, I've done this since I was a kid. You can, any question you have about fishing, very like it up on YouTube. Yeah. So, so Caleb taught me how to do that. And, uh, and man, it's been working so well for me. Just, just figuring out what depth they're at, working it at that depth. And, uh, you know, obviously once I know where they are and it's like, it's almost like every cast man with that cork, it's super, super. Oh, effective. Yeah. They smoke that thing, man. It's just, it's so exciting to, to be able to just get in them like that, man. Oh yeah. C Caleb does some good work. Captain Caleb. Yeah. He's a good dude. Uh, put some great content out himself. Um, oh yeah. No, I hadn't got a chance to get on the water with him, but hopefully one of these days I get to go and fish with him up there his way. Uh yeah, man. Good stuff, man. Uh anything else planned? You got any other travels, you know? Ha have you fished anywhere out of the, the states? Uh yeah, so I, I actually got to fish in the Cayman Islands. Um after I graduated from from high school, I got to go out and do a lot of fishing there. It was uh Fishing off the docks for, believe it or not, Barracuda. Like the Barracuda run really shallow there, almost like Snook do um, down in Florida. And I, I've done a ton of fishing in Florida. I used to live in Tampa. Um, uh, so that, that's another area that, that I'm familiar with. But in terms of outside the country, I've caught a lot of tarpon um, off those docks. And they came, I mean, they're, it's, they're super thick there. And it's almost like cheating. Uh, I, I ran offshore a couple times um, while I was there. But uh, really, really fun a different type of fishery to experience in terms of like inshore anywhere else. I've not, I, I, I there's a lot of adventures I want to go on in South America for yes. like ceremony yeah. and stuff like that. Oh man. It's yeah. uh, and the big snook they've got down there too. Um, oh, yeah. We, uh, we actually partnered with a company in South America to make these shrimp lures, these power prawns, because that's all they use down there is those big shrimp. And uh, I mean, you should go look up uh, for anybody watching. I, you should go look up some of the snook they're catching in South America because it's like it Ooh. it makes it makes our records here in the states like look silly. And uh, for anybody that likes snook fishing, just do yourself a favor and, and look up some of those catches. It's crazy. Yeah. Costa Rica too. Oh yeah, Costa Rica, Nicaragua. There's some giants down there on the uh, Pacific side. You know, I, I that's one thing I'd love to do is is kayak fish down there, Nicaragua. I have a buddy that owns a surf camp down there. And they do quite a bit of fishing um, 
through off of Ponga. And I was like, man, it'd be awesome if they could do like some kayak stuff too, kind of similar to what uh, Los Buzos does in Panama, you know, because that, that's some good stuff down there. They got a great fisheries down there also. Um, anything else though? You got, you know, any other travels? You got anything planned coming up or? Yes. Yeah, so how, how long are you in Texas? You How much longer are you over here for? Yeah. I, so I'm here, you know, I, I, I'd, obviously like to cover new regions for salt strong we don't have a time for me of leaving uh maybe when i feel like i've covered the texas coast like i i covered the carolinas pretty well um i had reports stretching from top of the roanoke river all the way down to uh even Myr- myrtle beach south carolina i need to do more in the carolinas still i know but uh that I feel like I'm going to be here until I cover Texas in its entirety. Uh, and there's a lot to do here. So that might be a while. Um, my, in terms of what I want to do next, I know that we're about to get into some amazing summer fishing here. I want to start looking really hard after redfish. I've been focused almost solely on trout. Um, unfortunately, with this freeze, it's, it's seeming like I might be having to do an early transition here. Um Really excited to see some of the the surf and jetty fishing that happens around me. Uh, I, I love, love, love surf fishing. Uh, I love shore based fishing. Um, not in waders. It's it's just something really cool about uh about about standing on you know the hard ground. Just like it was when I was a kid. Just it's super super simple stuff. But there's something really cool about just not having the extra gear and, and still getting the quality fish. So I'm, I'm excited to get into all the amazing things that summer brings um and the flounder run as well man i'm i uh, i had a i had, fell in love with flounder in the carolinas and i know that you guys get them real good here as well um I, i've caught a couple in fact caught one on a corky which i did not expect to do um oh, yeah. but but yeah I'm, I'm excited for the flounder run here as well um so there's a lot for me to look forward to a lot of places for me to look forward to travel to i, I go up and down the coast so uh i will uh, I'll, I'll be going as far north as uh, I can and probably back down in South Padre again to do some fishing yeah, as just, well. Sam, it seems to me like you'll be here through the fall at least. And then uh, oh, yeah. we definitely make some some awesome redfish uh, side casting trips happen when they start schooling up here uh, later August, September around our marsh systems over here. We, we get really good stuff. And then you got some stuff near you, especially you talk about jetty fishing. You got one of the the premier jetty fishing spots right there, Port Aransas jetties. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's very easy to catch, uh, you know, kingfish slinging spoons off of those rocks, you know, or hook into a tarpon or two here and there. It, it's, it's not unheard of. And, uh, you know, that's that's cool that, you know, the people that might not have a boat or might not have a kayak or something, they can get out there and experience that, too. So um, that would be cool to see some of your uh, your outlooks on that and do some uh, segments on that and some tips and stuff for them, too. Yeah. That's awesome, man. man. Yeah, I'm super excited. Right on, dude. Well, man, I appreciate you coming on with me tonight and, and getting a little more background on you and letting everybody know a little bit about Salt Strong and about you yourself. And, uh, you know, we're going to hopefully get the fish together sometime soon, man. You're only about an hour from me, so we're going to have to meet up and hit the water and uh, team up and check it out. And then, uh, you know, you got anything else you want to add, uh, some shout outs or anything like that? Go ahead, man. Yeah. Uh, and and first off, I'm absolutely. I'm- Super, super looking forward to hitting the water with you. Uh, I've followed the show for a little while and there's a lot of great stuff that's been shared and it's helped me a lot. So I got to give a shout out to you as well. Um, I did a lot of research uh, before I moved here. I was looking at the Bite Me podcast. I was looking 
uh, at, at yours as well. And it's just, there, there's such a wealth of information here um, with, with all the great anglers that, that are choosing to put out content. And uh, I just wanted to thank everybody that's, uh, a, 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 there's a good chance if you made a, a fishing video, I've watched it trying to get ready to learn how to fish here in Texas. So all, pretty much everybody, any content creator here, um, any angler that's put up stuff on social media, I, I'm learning from you guys. Um, so I want to give a shout out to, to all the anglers in Texas, basically. Right um, on, man. But, uh, but, but yeah, I, um, I just real happy to be here. Yeah, man. We're stoked to have you over here, dude. Everybody go check out Wyatt on social media. Um, what you got, what's your tags and all that. I got it scrolling across the bottom. You got, uh, salt strong Wyatt on Instagram and, yep. uh, what's the, what's the YouTube they can find you under YouTube channel. Yeah, so I don't have my own YouTube channel. You can just go to Salt Strong. Uh, if you type in Salt Strong on YouTube, that's where you guys are going to be able to find all the fishing videos, all the content that we put out. Um, and obviously, go check us out at saltstrong.com where we put up a ton of stuff. There's some stuff that doesn't get put up on YouTube on there, um, and you can check out all the other stuff on there. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I, that's mainly where I spend most of my time. I, I do make a couple posts on my, my personal Instagram here and there. Um, but yeah, I'm just looking forward to making more videos for you guys, uh, through the salt strong channel. So salt strong is also on Instagram. Yes. Salt strong is on Instagram as well. As salt just strong and the Facebook uh, page and group. So y'all go give them likes and follows and, uh, see what all they got going on. Get in on the insider action and, uh, you'll see some reports from Wyatt and all the, all over the rest of the country. I mean, they're covering all the water all over. So mm -hmm. That's a cool deal, man. Y'all got something going on really well. Uh, like the platform and, uh, you know, everybody go check them out. So once again, thanks again for coming on, Wyatt. This is Dustin with Chasing the Tide. Uh, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. Um, thanks to the show, seg the segment sponsors, Waterloo Rods and Truchadori Co. And appreciate everybody tuning in. We'll see y'all on the next one. See you guys. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode on Paddle in Finn. Don't forget to go check out our website at paddle, the letter N, and fin.com. Don't forget to check out the YouTube channel at Paddle and Finn. If you got a question, comment, want to hear from a future guest on a future episode, feel free to email us at paddle, the letter N, and fin at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Paddle and Finn on Facebook and Instagram. Shout out to our show supporters, Angler, the Angler Button, and app just makes for a better time on the water and creates a virtual logbook for every fishing outing out on the water. Shout out to Rocktown Adventures, located in Northern Illinois, for all your kayaking, camping, and hiking needs. Shout out to Jigmasters Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com.